Welcome to That Foreign Feeling, a podcast that creates space for conversations surrounding mental health, grief, and loss. When you may not know what you are feeling exactly, but you know something is different. You may not be able to explain it or understand it. All of these feelings are what we call That Foreign Feeling. We're here with... Say your name. Ben Johnson. <laughs> and Ben, how do you know us? I thought you were in- introducing me. I didn't know that I'd in- introduce myself. I'm camera shy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, so we're here with Ben Johnson, um, our my older brother, um, mom's son. <laughs> the joker of the butterfly path. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> um, the golden child. <laughs> um, anyway, son, so... Son to the president of the butterfly path. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so... <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so we are here to talk about Alcohol Awareness Month, which is <clears throat> in April, next, tomorrow, well... April starts tomorrow. Um, We've been wanting to do an episode on this for a while because I'm sober, you're sober. Um, And when we originally wanted to do this, it was your three-year sober anniversary. And in June, June like 7th-ish, that'll be my sober anniversary – Um, And a lot of people, I get asked when I say that I don't drink, people respectfully ask me why. And I'm kind of open about it. I think you're... I think we're all fairly open about it. Yeah, kind of. But I don't think a lot of people know the behind the scenes of why. No. Especially because I'm 26, you're 28. Yep. So that's kind of an odd age to not be drinking. Uh, so I guess kind of let's get into it. So you would, I would kind of say like both of us started on the same track. Like when we were going into college, we would like drink like a college student. In college? Yeah. 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 And then, you know, like once you hit 21 and up, you, yes, have more responsibility with it, but I think you can it gets kind of heavier once you're of age because you have the responsibility of driving and other responsibilities, really. There's, there's more freedom with it. Yes. Uh, so if it was three years ago, you would have been 20, you'd have been my age. I would have been, I would have, that fall, I would have turned 26. No, 25. Yeah. So, yeah. So you were my age when <clears throat> you went sober. Correct. So, it was around 25. Yeah, I was 25 yeah, it was when I did. December of 17. Um, so I guess kind of we, I mean, our parents were pretty strict about, like, we never, like, drank in high school or anything. Right. We kind of respected our parents' rules on that. Yep. Um, we were, I would say we were pretty responsible, like, in college. But, again, like, once you kind of have more freedom with it, Speak I think. for yourself. <laughs> yeah okay so <laughs> yes I think we all wish that we didn't do some of the things we did um in college but 
moving into being of age and whatnot, because I guess it wouldn't be a secret if you said, like, no one drank in college. I mean, I guess that's kind of the brunt of it. And I think that's where some people start getting in trouble. Yeah. Mentally. Yeah. With alcohol use without even realizing it. Right. Because I look back and I think that there were so many times, like, if I if I could see myself in college, I'd be like, no, like, there's so many other things, like, you can kind of do. Right. But I think, and it's no one's fault, but I, I think that there is kind of like a, a social part there, of it. There's a culture around it now in college. Yes. It's, it's glorified at this point. Yes. It's not just a, I don't look at it as just a social aspect anymore. It's, it's, um... How do I put it? Almost looked down upon if you don't. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, we both kind of had similar college experiences, like transferring from like a U of M college, yeah. me, Duluth, you in um, Twin Cities. the Twin Cities, and then we both then transferred to River Falls different times, but I think even both, like both universities had the same type of drinking culture. I don't think it was one way or another. No. No. I don't... I think you kind of find that culture on any college campus at this point. Yeah. Um, I, I guess probably larger campuses, it's almost more prominent because of... There's a lot more stuff going on. Yeah. Um, whereas I feel like the smaller colleges, it's just... You know, like, I never went to a Falcon football game, whereas yeah, for, true. you know, for a goal for, sat, for Saturday football games, you're, that was the first thing you did. You woke up and you started pre-gaming. You know, I just... Yeah. <clears throat> there's, there's different... There's different... I don't know. Um, I just feel like it is more prominent on the, on the larger campuses, but I think on any college campus, there's just a culture of... of underage drinking and, and binge drinking and you know, kind of however you want to put it. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. It's, it's just, it's kind of glorified at this point is how I like to put it. And so then kind of moving forward, well, I graduated before you college, but. <laughs> just had to throw that in. <laughs> um, but even with you weren't even in college when you decided kind of forced. I would say you kind of decided though for yourself because you could you could have just kind of gone through and still right. decided a lot to of drink. Let have that happen, and you know, for the first incident like that, it doesn't it doesn't force them to kind of face the music. But I think there's enough other shit going on that. It was, that was the awakening that I needed. I would say too, and I mean, you can get into as much detail as you want, as little detail as you want. Moral of the story is you got in trouble with alcohol and had to make a decision, basically. It happened after dad died, but your alcohol usage was way before. way before that. Because one of the last times that... We <laughs> remember when we went to Mel's before Connor's graduation, and then <laughs> we were bar hopping on the way to the ceremony sure to meet the parents. But I just, I was your sober cab. 
graduation. Yes. Yep. And I was flying out to Nashville. That yes. Day. So then I had to make sure you got you woke <laughs> up at four in the morning. Yes. And then we went. Yeah, yes. So that. that was one of the last times that I think we were all together as a family. That was kind of. Yeah. His graduation. Yeah. Right. That was a week before it happened. But. Excuse me. Um. I would say we've obviously noticed things prior to that, but thinking, at least I would probably say it was probably more of like a year, 21 year old or, you know, whatever. Had yeah, fun. you just kind of looked at it as it's what everybody did at the time. Yeah. You know, I'm not any different than everybody else, even though I was probably using it differently than most people were using it at that time. But some people think too, at least this is kind of how I viewed it, like if you have a high tolerance, you can drink more, but that really is not true. Like even if you have a high tolerance, your blood alcohol. Your blood alcohol is still high, but you don't feel as right. inebriated. Right. So I think that's where people get into trouble too with it, which there's a lot of different instances, and we're not judging anyone who does drink by any means. Correct. We would like to make that clear. Correct. <laughs> that... It's- it's more we're talking just from the irresponsible aspect. Of yes, it. because I think both of us were unable to use it responsibly, at Correct. least for the time being. And so that's why we kind of paused um, the usage of it. So I would say, um, I don't know if you kind of want to start with. Where do we want to start? I know. I mean. We'll be here all day. You're going to have to order another pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have more Diet Coke? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, the floor is all yours. I mean, I, you know, like we talked about, I didn't drink at all through high school. The first beer I had was that summer going into college after you know, after graduating. You know, having a couple of beers here and there was never, <clears throat> I don't think I ever got, like, drunk until going to going to the U um but you know upon going to the U I kind of got into a a crew that you know drank pretty heavily and they all drank in high school and stuff and they were from the cities and so they had a lot of friends on campus and so we were getting together all the time and you know it was I wouldn't say every night I was getting drunk but we were drinking every night right you know and it just, it almost just, it became a habit from the get-go as soon as I set foot on campus. And, um, you know, kind of looking back at, you know, I almost turned in, I basically turned into a functioning alcoholic from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, weekends you were getting hammered and I was still, you know, working at the golf course on weekends. So you're drinking till two o'clock in the morning, then you're getting up at 530 to get to the golf course and you're... So it's, so yeah, I mean, it, it started early, you know, something you don't really think about because everybody around you is doing kind of the same thing. But I would say um, a lot of them were able to, to handle school better than I did while doing that. Um, you know, did that for, for two years in, in Transfer River Falls. And, um, you know, the, the same pattern continued. You know, you, get, you become of age and it's, you're not just, doing it at your apartment anymore you're going out to the bars all the time and and you know it gets a lot more expensive um you know never really ran into any financial issues with it but it uh you know I I worked my ass off to pay to pay the bills I mean there's 
at one point I was working three jobs during during college, but my grades definitely suffered. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I didn't really, you know, didn't really want to face at the time, but it, it did. You know, I was on probation a couple different times, and then it finally got to the point where after my second year at River Falls, you know, I basically was asked to not return. Yeah. Um, I was I was basically just skating by, and and uh, it just it wasn't working. So then. You know, go down to live in Madison for a couple years where kind of the pattern continued. But instead of, you know, dealing with school, it was, it was working. And, you know, I never, I never went to work drunk, but, right. um, you know, or drank on the job or anything like that. But it was still, you know, you're going to the bars, you know, kind of all the time. I was definitely drinking every night of the week, whether it was a few beers or a, you know, a mixed drink or something. It was, you know, there was always a, some sort of alcoholic beverage with dinner and, and, you know, a nightcap of sorts, you know, whatever you wanted to kind of call it. And, um, you know, it, it definitely did hinder personal relationships at the time. And, and I know obviously kind of going through, you know, what we did after dad died and stuff where it kind of all kind of escalated and came to a front was just, you know, kind of learning how much it was truly affecting the family and some of the personal relationships that I didn't realize it was affecting mm-hmm. until I was kind of forced to face the music. Yeah. Um, so you have to kind of, you know, kind of fast forward through the beginning of all that, just, you know, just to basically lead up to, you know, it wasn't just a, you know, it wasn't dad's death that right. that caused any of it. It was, I had basically began using alcohol as a, as a crutch um, to cope with just with stresses and everything, anything, and just everything and anything. No, it didn't matter how big or how little it was. It was, you know, well, I need really need a beer. Well, yeah, that turns into seven, and it's just, I, I, I didn't have a shut off switch. Was the, was the biggest thing, because um, there were times where it was, you know, I didn't, you know, something you know they call it getting the shakes like you really needed yeah needed an alcoholic beverage but it just when I started drinking it just there was something in my mind that wouldn't tell me when the time was to to stop until I basically passed out mm-hmm. um you know blacked out somehow got home and but anyways to you know kind of recap you know we got you know dad died and so I I moved home and um that was an extremely rough summer for obvious reasons. And, you know, we, we kind of kept the alcohol out of the house for a short period of time. I don't even think any of us wanted to drink. Like, it just didn't sound good it to just, us. It wasn't at the forefront of our minds. But it just, you know, it, you know, I mean, Mom made a rule of, you know, we're not during this period to try to cope with this stuff to, you know, we're not using it alcohol yeah and um you know that didn't that probably lasted maybe three four weeks whatever it was but there was just there was a couple incidents that that summer that you know really it was it was bad it got bad Mm -hmm. um all right everyone we're so grateful and excited to be able to tell you about our sponsor better help I'd been going through a season where I knew I needed to get back into therapy and had to seek out a new therapist. 
I've only ever gone to in-person therapy, but as it turned out, no one was taking new clients and waiting lists weren't being offered. BetterHelp was recommended to me by my sister, and I was very hesitant to try out an online therapy service. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. I took what felt like a leap of faith, and it was one of the best leaps I've ever taken. I was matched quickly based on my preferences and the accessibility The professionalism, the options, all exceeded my expectations. It's so convenient. You can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, live chat, phone, or video call. There are days where I can't do live video because my girls are up and starting their homeschool day. So instead of rescheduling my much-needed session or putting off school, I just opt for a live chat. I can see what my therapist is typing and get more in versus waiting blindly for the next message. I absolutely love it. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get you started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions or chats when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. BetterHelp is going to help those of you who may be stuck in a situation like mine, ready for therapy, but no luck finding someone or someone soon enough. A big thank you to our sponsor who's letting you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp by going to betterhelp.com backslash that foreign feeling. That's betterhelp.com slash that foreign feeling and it was you know really affecting mom obviously and it it kind of brought other people into the into the mix on stuff and you know it it kind of you know just to kind of fast forward to the to the ultimate penult whatever the word i'm trying to think of the final moment was you know i got dinged for drunk driving Mm -hmm. and um you know, it was, if I remember right, it was 12, 17 in the morning at, you know, December 15, 2017. I'll, I'll still never forget it that, you know, driving down 94 after, you know, going to a Thursday night concert in Minneapolis that you know, uh-huh. was supposed to be a fun event. It was, you know, the concert was great, but, you know, I started drinking when we, before, well, before we got there and, and I just, I never stopped and, you know, I, I blew uh, two and a half times the legal limit, and I, the people that I was with and saw at the concert didn't even realize it because I had become such a functioning alcoholic at the time. Right. So I could be two and a half times the legal limit, and it's, I feel fine. I come across functioning mostly fine, um, but obviously my driving wasn't fine that night, and. Um, yeah, so after spending the night in, in Washington County, and um, I kind of had a you know a little come to Jesus moment in a sense, you know, spending a night in jail, and 
Um, yeah, it was uh, it was eye opening, and you know it was you know technically forced upon me to, to get treatment. It was right. you know, part of part of the stipulations they had. You know they had the fine you had to pay. You had to go watch a uh, a mad panel, Mothers Against Destructive Decisions. I guess is what yeah. they call it now. Um, you had to do that, and then you had to take an intake assessment, and then based on whatever that assessor recommends, you have to follow through as part of kind of a court appointed. Right. Um, I mean, I was doing this all. I mean, I got a good lawyer. And he recommended doing all of this, um, you know, because we had six, I think it was six months before a court date. Mm-hmm. He said, this is what's going to happen. You either do it now or you wait for the court to tell you. And, and so I kind of, I jumped on it and started doing it. And, um, you know, I'd be lying if I said I went into treatment thinking that I was just going to stay sober. Right. Um, but after the first couple weeks of, of doing that outpatient treatment program, um, I, I came to realize I truly had a problem and, you know, that was a pretty, pretty extensive program. Um, I'm trying to remember it was January through, I think it was August when I graduated from that. So it was a, maybe a seven month program. The first, first half of that was three nights a week and then it's one night a week for a couple months and, um, it just, I learned kind of, you know, why I was doing it and, um, you know, some of the the physical aspects of kind of what was going on. Um, you know, you learn a lot of, you know, kind of the health reason, you know, kind of behind what can happen if you don't. You yeah. Know, you know, if I were to keep that up, I mean... I'd probably be mid thirties and running into liver issues and heart issues. And, you know, you, you kind of learn a lot of the, a lot of the different health aspects that come with that prolonged of a, of a heavy. I think it's really interesting about how it affects the brain too, over time of like they, yes, you can like kill brain cells and it's not like a, if you just have a few drinks, you're all of a sudden like it affects you so much like brain cells. It's that, heavy drinking over time is what really gets it. Yeah. And it was, and it was truly affecting my mental health. It was, you know, I was not in a good headspace. You were very angry. Even before dad died, you were like, you were a very angry person to be around. It was not uh, fun. I was an angry drunk. They would call it when I got to a certain point where I kind of, the, the fun Ben kind of expired and angry Ben took over. When I, yeah. would, when I would drink heavily. Um, and that's where you, you look back at kind of relationships that it, it ruined um, or just, you know, impacted negatively. And, and just, you know, not even just relationships, it just kind of just looking at kind of how life was going, um, you know, mistakes I had made with clouded judgment like that. And, mm-hmm. Just stuff that, you know, kind of looking back, you just, you know, you learn from a lot of it, but you just kind of makes you wonder. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that, the DUI to this day was, was a godsend. And, yeah. um, 
expensive one. But it was an expensive, but think very of how expensive mistake. But it would have been expensive throughout time anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like think right. of how much it would have taken away from you right. in the future. Yeah, but I mean, like I said before, is it, it usually doesn't take just one for a lot of people. I mean, that's you see in the news all the time the people with multiple DUIs that just never learn or decide to to deal with it and you kind of just want to give them a hug because you know like they can't right. help it right i mean to an extent um well right but because, I, you know because i i think after repeated offenses you you know there's an issue but it's a matter of dealing with it i also think some people don't have the the support system that our family does and kind of Correct. that we're forced that's, to have that's that's <laughs> well <laughs> There's that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but it but it is a big help. I mean I'm not yeah, I'm not gonna sit here and say that I did it all on my own. Um you know, af- after that I, I lived with my mom for three years. And you know, because of you know, because of the DUI it, it was expensive. You know, they don't lie when they say it cost over ten thousand dollars after getting one of those between legal fees and uh, treatment fines and, and yeah. fines and I mean I get my fine reduced luckily but it's but it is expensive and and then you know I would have never been able to to go back to school and actually finally graduate if I hadn't gotten sober and so I kind of took that moment to to truly kind of self-reflect and um you know besides treatment I also was seeing Emily our yeah ther- you know the therapist and in dealing with a lot of this stuff with dad because obviously there was other shit beforehand it wasn't just dad's deal but but that summer dad's deal really escalated in a sense yeah um i would say so pushed me off the deep end i would say yeah um because i just that was the sole coping mechanism that i had was to drink Mm -hmm. and you know, and in, in, in hindsight, it's not really a coping mechanism. It's just a way to ignore things for a while, and you know. Well, it's a numbing. Right, right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess you know, with a, with a lot of help and support, you know, it, like I said the treatment program was eight months, and uh, went back to school in the middle of that. That spring of of 18 and uh you know kind of re-found myself in a sense um just really worked towards staying sober um kind of getting back to the things that I that I loved um yeah I I just, I really took those three years, three and a quarter, whatever it is now, and just in, in rebuilt myself in a sense. And I've stayed sober through it all. Um, I'm not going to say it's been easy, um, but I guess my stubbornness has been a bit beneficial with it. That's for once. true. Yeah, that's true. It is sometimes hard, though, like when you look at a beer and you're like, Hmm. Or there are some times where I miss having that like 
that buzz. Yeah. Like that happy one. Not like the sad, angry, but then you're like, dang. So then it, it's really a lot of work to find something healthy. It is. In it's, lieu of that. You know, I, like I said, going back to school and then turning into working nights really took away any of the social um, distractions, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't any, um, you know, I didn't have the, the time to go to the bar. I didn't, um, yeah, I, I just didn't, I, it helped me avoid the distractions that would, that a lot of people kind of end up falling back into after starting to be sober. You know, it, it forced me to kind of redefine myself and my schedule and my social circles. Um, and a lot of that, I mean, that's, that's where you know, a lot of people when they deal with relapses is because they don't cut ties from certain areas of their life. Yeah. And sucked back into stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, you know, really do AA meetings anymore, but I still have a, a daily, it's a Hazelden book that I read every morning. Um, just to kind of, it just kind of keeps things in focus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just helps you not forget kind of the journey that it's, that it's been to get yeah. here. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, so sobriety has, has helped every aspect of my life and it has helped me just be just mentally stronger and, and more clear. Um, you know, sobriety forced me to deal with a lot of stuff with dad's death um, and other stuff surrounding that. And yeah, I don't know. I think too, there's a lot of things that go into play. So like, it's not a, one thing fixes the whole situation. It's not like one thing you did also just solved all the world's problems with that. There was a lot that went in. I mean, Connor and I, we drove you around when you lost your license. Mm -hmm. So we were, you know, your drivers because we all lived with mom at the time. And then mom brought you, you know, like there's so many things. It was kind of a family effort, even extended family, like our, you know, Mom's side of the family had like helped you with the legal stuff, you know, figuring out their dad's side was supporting you, you know. So I think there are so many other things that a lot of people, some people don't have that. I just think that support system is so huge. What makes it it hard for a lot of people is that it's, you know, that the alcohol, you know, caused a lot of divisions that can't always be fixed. Right. And, a lot of them, you kind of learn that they, you know, whether you want to call it broken families or just however you want to call it, just there, there's not that support system one way or the other. And that was a big help was, you know, I didn't have to hide it. Mm-hmm. And so we talked about it openly with, with those that needed to know. But we let were, you do that. It wasn't like... Oh, right. You guys weren't going around saying it. 
but I, I took that responsibility upon myself to those that were in our inner circle and in, in our support system that here's the deal. Here's what happened. Here's what's going on. You know, here's the help we need. Um, and so, yeah, there was a lot of people that stepped up. And it, uh, it, it does make it a lot easier when you have that support system. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing, you know, when you see some people finally come out as, as sober. Um, I think about um, just this winter when, when like Mark Parrish came out and, and mm-hmm. admitted that he had issues with alcohol and, and got the help that he needed, that it it took people in his inner circle to really step up and, and help him get that help and, and work through all this stuff. And, and in, in order to have continued success with it and to stay sober, um, it does, it does take a lot of support. You can't do it on your own because if you just take it upon yourself, then you're going to fall right back into the traps. Mm -hmm. It's got you there. Yeah. I would say too, though, even though you might have a good support system, it's not going to solve it. You know, like there's still things too that you you, you have to get through. It's a lot of self-responsibility. I mean, you have to take ownership and that's kind of part of the the 12 step program is, Mm -hmm. is kind of taking ownership of, of your wrongs and, and who you've affected along the way through your use of alcohol. And, um, So yeah, you 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 have to self-reflect on a lot of stuff and it takes a lot of self-responsibility, but then, you know, the support system kind of helps with a lot of different stuff and it's not easy. There's not one right way or wrong way to stay sober or be sober or whatever, but I just, I just think um it shouldn't be looked down upon as it seems like it is in society. And I think it is getting better when, as you're seeing more and more people with, with a bigger platform mm-hmm. come out as, as sober. Well, sometimes it feels like a crime when you say that you're sober right. and you, even that I, I found that and mine wasn't even, I didn't even get in trouble with the law. I mean, I ended up in a mental health hospital, <laughs> but um, I, I, you still are like, oh, I'm sober now. And then it's like, whoa. It's not like it sounds easy or. Right. But it's just, it's like I said, it's the way that the culture is kind of glorified alcohol that it's all of a sudden a a shock to meet somebody that doesn't drink. So what are some resources that you have found helpful at the start of your journey and so on that you would recommend to someone in a similar situation or not. Maybe they could just keep that resource in their back pocket if they ever come across it. I would say treatment first and foremost, um, you know, for the people that, that really, you know, kind of have serious issues. I mean, there's, there's in patient programs out there. I mean, all over, um, but the outpatient program that I did was was extremely helpful and just and that was just in Hudson at the Hudson Hospital at the Hudson Hospital uh, programs for change 
and just everything that they go through and the topics they touch on and and how they kind of incorporate you know the family for a couple weeks um it's uh I still have the folder from from that and I probably don't reference it as much as I should but like I said I I you know for for some people that you know really believe in the 12 steps cuz it's I'm not going to sit here and say it's for everybody mm-hmm. um you know there's the alcohol anonymous book the big book they call it um or there's there you know there's little just kind of daily daily readers that you can that you can purchase you know I, I got one from Hazel then because we read from a different one in treatment um but I found one that I liked on on online at the Hazel and Betty Ford Foundation mm-hmm. website mm-hmm. um you know, I'm sure you can find them on Amazon if you just search you know, Hazelden or something but um I just I just think the the biggest thing is just not trying to hide it and because if you try to keep it a secret from people then it's just one more thing you're bearing when you know becoming sober you're trying to uncover everything you've buried for however long you've been mm-hmm. burying things for um so you know there's AA meetings all over the place at every time of the day. Um, you know, I did those off and on while in treatment. I haven't been to one in a while. I haven't felt the need to, but I know there's a lot of people that if they don't get their weekly or daily meeting, then it's it's really mm-hmm. hard on them. So there's there's in there's numerous amount of resources. You just gotta just try stuff and figure out what works for you. Um, yeah, I think that's with anything with mental health. You have to, to trial and error. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, it, it, it can be frustrating at times and it can be tough, but um, there's plenty of resources out there and whether it takes a program or just a meeting or maybe you just need to see a therapist, you don't, you don't need to do actual AA treatment. I mean, it's, there's there's plenty of stuff, but I think the the biggest thing is just reaching out and and starting and just finding somewhere to start. Mm-hmm. And whether that's just showing up to an AA meeting, and because they're extremely welcoming, you know, it's they they love having people that are new to sobriety because a lot of them have been. You know, some of them have been sober for a couple years. Some of them have been sober 20, 25 years. Mm-hmm. And so there's also a lot of knowledge in those meetings. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's plenty of resources out there. It's just my my biggest thing for, for people out there is just starting and not hiding it. Awesome. Okay, well, thank you for... Telling us your story. I hope um, I covered everything. <laughs> we might have to do. <laughs> well, I think this is such an important topic, and especially um, at our age, I think it's important for people to hear of all ages that it's okay to dr- to not. <laughs> it's 
okay to not drink. Um, so I think it would be cool to kind of talk more about this again. But um, in the meantime, it's almost past my bedtime. Um, so thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to That Foreign Feeling. For more information on The Butterfly Path or this podcast, visit thatforeignfeeling.com.